You want some advice, Luke? Sure. Never let anyone pick on you. Otherwise, you'll carry it with you the rest of your life. And those kids at school, they were bigger than you. Yeah. And bring a knife to school. And they take it off you and beat you up. You go around their houses at night and burn them down with their families inside. What's the worst they can do? Hello, listening people. Ooh. Hello. We are your hosts, Ryan. Ooh. And? And... And Count Bartek Dracula. <laughs> you can't even go with Bartekula. You had to go with Bartek. <laughs> you know, Dracula was the last name. Bartek's the first name. Oh, okay, sure, sure. What was Dracula's first name? Uh, his name was Vlad Tepes, I think. Oh, of course. I uh, of course. I've watched the Castlevania show. I should know this. Bartek, we're getting extra spooky. We're mentioning vampires. We're we're all over the shop. It's 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 spooky month. It's our month of talking about spooky things, Octobery related things, whether they be actual horror movies, supernatural thrillers, erotic stuff. Who knows? Uh, we're talking spooky. We're recommending spookies. I'm feeling pretty spooky about it all. Uh, pictures power. Disgusting. What was that? Spooky, it kind of sounds icky. That well, that matches Spooky Month, doesn't it? Because there's some icky stuff happening in October. Let me tell you, spooky. Uh, <laughs> you don't like spooky. I'm gonna keep using. Well, it. I didn't say I didn't like it. I just said it sounds yucky. Oh, it sounds yucky. Mmm, Bartek don't likey. No, I said I. You're not listening. I'm listening. I'm just projecting. Talking about projection, we're talk- going to be talking about a film that projected on a screen one time, I'm pretty sure, in the real world. It's Pictures mm-hmm. Power. Movie came recommended. I recommended the film. We're talking about the 2014 film, The Guest, starring Downton Abbey's boy himself, Dan Stevens. If the listening people have not had the chance to check out this film, please do so, because we are going to be talking about the film with spoilers, and this film is a film that, uh, genre-wise, I guess you could call it a thriller, uh, is the close one I would uh, approximate it to, and that kind of relies on, you know, letting it, letting it creep up on you. So we're going to be talking about it, so you've been warned, Bartek. The Guest, 2014. We've talked Mm -hmm. on the pod before about how 2014 to us was one of the great years of cinema. Yeah, yeah. It's been a topic we've talked about in and out of the podcast, I think. Both of us have enjoyed a lot of movies from 2014, whether we saw them at the time or during the years afterwards. But we always have come back in discussions on the pod or off the pod as well about, man, 2014, there was just a lot of great films, whether they be highbrow entertainment, Oscar nominee, Oscar winning stuff, or, you're, you know, you're more cheesy, fun thrillers like this or comedies or just generally it was a fun year for films. Was The Boy Next Door 2014? I don't remember, but I hope so. I think, <laughs> I think it that was been, yeah. I thought that was early 2015, but oh, okay. it was it was a great time either way. We had a lot of fun films going on. Uh, Nightcrawler, one we've talked about a lot, is yeah, as a personal favorite, as well as Whiplash and Birdman and uh, Calvary, another one that I really enjoyed. And uh, the guest is always one that I've brought up before. 
Uh, let's talk about our relationship with the guest. When, uh, what's your relationship in history with this film? Uh, this is one that you told me about. I didn't know about it at the time, and pretty much, yeah, it, I completely associate this film with you and uh, your history with it. Mm, so but I have seen it once before. You showed it to me a few years ago on a movie night. A few years ago. It didn't. It doesn't feel that long ago, but it was. It was a couple mm. years ago now. We watched it together at my place with a bunch of your friends that were over, uh, one of which had a a girlfriend that was there at the time who was very interesting and who had a weird connection to one of our friends and oh, right. guests it was on, on the pod it, will. <laughs> it was on the same day that we did the Chicken Little episode, wasn't it? Fun fact. We watched the guest yeah. right after Chicken Little. <laughs> what, a, <laughs> what a pairing they are. But we, are, we also watched like Black Dynamite and something else, I think. I think we also watched the Czechoslovakian movie. But maybe yeah. we watched it with a group of your friends, some of which had heard about it, but I don't think anyone had actually seen the film. And I saw this film in 2014. I watched it at home by myself. My, my, my wife was not there. None of my housemates were there. And I watched it in the spare bedroom on my desktop computer uh, and, I, and I paired it with, I watched Calvary, the Brendan Gleeson film about him a, mm-hmm. as a priest. And then I watched The Guest and it was late at night. I but watched these both late at night in a room completely in the dark and very interesting films to pair up. They're nothing alike, but they were just such a, it was, it was one of those great viewing experiences that I've had. I just really remember that night and being in the dark and it was so, it was just such a great time. I enjoyed both films very much. Calvary was great in the dark because that film's so bright because it's yeah, it in is. the day and very stark kind of bright colors and, and lots of sunshine. So it really worked well in the dark environment. And then you get the guest, which, well, it's got all that great darkness to it in the film, but also it's got that spooky atmosphere and aesthetic, which is just great for watching alone in the dark. Hmm. So it's unsettling. Uh, yeah, and it's you know it's got the neon colors that are just also great to watch in the dark. It just feels appropriate. It's uh, but I watched both films and I was very impressed with both of them. And I was majorly impressed with the guest because I knew little to nothing about it other than I heard it was good. And I went oh, okay. And I heard the basic pitch of it, which is Bartek. What's the pitch of this movie? Uh, so we have a main family in this film who they had an eldest son who fought in one of the wars that were going on at the time in the Middle East. Um, he mm. died and they're, you know, they're sad, they're grieving over it. Uh, and then on this one day, one of his squad mates comes over out of nowhere to pass on a message, you know, that the, that the son loved them. Um, and he's incredibly handsome, incredibly charming, like an all-American hero type of guy. Played by a British um, man, yeah. <laughs> played by a British man. Uh, and he he acts like he doesn't want to seem imposing or anything, but the, 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 the mother of the family invites him to stay over as a guest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the f- next two-thirds of the film is him sort of uh, getting along with each member of the family, but there is uh, a lot of, like dark mysteriousness around him mm. uh, and you start learning more and more about him and then the last third of the film is a huge turn. Violence happens, yes. Violence. I heard the pitch about it, just just like you described it in a way where this guy comes to visit this family and he just doesn't leave 
you know, they just let him stay because he's so nice, but obviously bodies start turning up around town, and the family's life gets better, you know, that kind of thing. I heard that, and I was like, mm-hmm. cool. Never saw any of the, I never saw any other Adam Wingard film. I knew of Your Next, but I haven't se- I still haven't seen Your Next. It's been on the to watch list, but that was their big film before this, Your Next, and that was a film that advertised weirdly like what i knew of that film via its marketing is different to what that film is actually like i i like it seems like that film's far more funny and overtly that way but the advertising of that is you know the the masked people coming into home invade and lots of you know your typical horror movie type thing where ooh they have spooky masks you know those type of horror movies bartek but your next is the big one that launched them and then they got to make this movie and like i didn't know that so i just watched this movie as its own thing didn't know who dan stevens was didn't know who the girl from it follows was the only person i knew in this movie really was the dad who's in like a million things but like most notably seven he's in the film Mm -hmm. seven and um and in Alien Resurrection, never forget, he was also the guy in Alien Resurrection that had an alien inside of him that screamed and it went the camera went down his throat so we could see the little alien screaming inside of him. I'll never forget that. <laughs> so he's a he's a known horror actor. Well yeah, he's a known character actor in general, yeah. yeah. But horror seems to be his forte. He usually plays the the sad guy in those movies, like the pathetic loser, and he does that in this movie very well. He's very pathetic in this. <laughs> but he was kind of like the only real person I knew, other than him and uh, the government guy, Lance Reddick, who I know from... He's in everything, too. He's in the John Wick movies, primarily people may know him for nowadays, but I knew him from Fringe. But I watched this movie, adored it, fell in love with Dan Stevens. I was like, who is this guy? And the film succeeded at the time in one way for me, which is it made me want to watch Dan Steven projects. And I've still done that. I've gone out of my way to just randomly watch Dan Steven movies because he's just, I just found him captivating in this movie. And I'm just wanting to see more of him being a weirdo. He doesn't do it all the time, but every now and then Dan Stevens will be in a random movie as a weirdo. And I guess that's my favorite new genre is let Dan Stevens be weird. Yeah, um, I think I read that he his casting was purposely meant to be like out of left field because yeah, he was known for Downton Abbey, a British soap. Yeah, and I didn't know he was in Downton Abbey. Like I have never watched Downton Abbey, but I know who's in it in some way. Like I knew Hugh Bonneville's in it. I know Maggie Smith's in it. I know like, but I never knew he was in it. And when you look at what he looks used to look like, you could see why I didn't know. He used to be kind of a chubby boy, and this he's like fucking fit as shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I read the trivia about like his journey to becoming fit as shit, and it was very interesting. But yeah, that's when I first saw it. My relationship with this movie has been very interesting over the years. I've often talked about it. I've brought it up. I've brought it up with you, Bartek, so you've heard this many times before. But I've encountered a lot of people who have seen the film, and they either love it or they absolutely hate this movie. It's a very divisive film, evidently. I've met many people over the years who told me, oh, I hated that film. I just did not like it at all. And I think a a large portion of the complaints that I've heard around why most people didn't like it is most people that I've encountered thought that The Guest was going to be an out-and-out horror movie and or slasher-type horror movie. 
you get the pitch mm-hmm. the guest itself sounds like it's going to be an overt horror movie the idea of this guy coming into their home and never leaving and bodies turning up around town you're thinking oh and he's like an unstoppable kind of monster man you're thinking oh this sounds like a horror movie but it's not really is it or is it bartek what do you think no, I think it's more it's more of like a thriller film with horror sensibilities and then right at the end they they throw out a bunch of horror stuff like in the Halloween maze. Yeah, it becomes it's got like a horror structure to it, but the actual meat inside is more of a th- thriller and a family drama. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, I know that one of the big things that you've said over the years is people don't realize that this film is a comedy. I think it's funny, and I think a lot of people don't, and I'm like, and it throws them off. I think that this yeah. film's trying to on purposely be very funny, and once I view it like that, it works completely for me. Yeah, I remember when we were going to watch the film, you gave that sort of explanation to us, and obviously I knew about it already, that this film, uh, you know, has a lot of comedy in it, um, and after we watched the film, I got driven home by some of the... actually. I think all of them were in the car, and they were talking about how they didn't really find it all that funny. They found it a bit more disturbing. Which is interesting, Um, because they were all laughing throughout the whole entire movie out loud. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I I guess it's less that this film's a comedy, and more that it's a dark film with a sense of humour, and it, like... To me, it has its own unique sense of humor that it expresses. Yeah, that that's a great way to describe it. To me, I I view it as a as a black comedy, a dark comedy. It's got these unsettling things in there that force a laugh reaction out of you. Like to me, when I watched the film the first time, and you had this reaction too, and we watched it together. But to me, when Dan Stevens shows up, like when we see him at the door, and he turns around and he has that smile. I laugh because I know exactly that. I know from the beginning, oh, this guy's wrong. He's, he's fucked. And he's so charming. Like, it just makes me laugh because Dan Stevens is delivering this bizarre performance. Like, it's truly magnetic, magnetic. It's charming. It's funny. But, like, it is a bizarre performance because his character is insane. He's, he's, he's a psychopath. Yeah, I know that, um... In a discussion I heard somewhere about Nightcrawler, they talked about how the sociopathic representation of the main character in that uh, was shown through him expressing or forcing emotions in situations Mm. where he uh, objectively understands they would be in. Um, And I guess that's kind of what is going on in this film as well with with the Dan Stevens character. Mm. Um, But he's he's a lot more smooth about it, and in some ways you learn later on that there might be a sort of genuineness to them yeah maybe but there's a there's a like internal programming problem with him that mm. uh, works against that for for me i find dan stevens performance and this film more overtly funny when it's approaching that stuff than say nightcrawler i think nightcrawler has some moments of funny like there are some moments where where jake john hall's character approaches a situation that is funny but mm. to to myself i think Dan Stevens char- like Dan Stevens to me overwhelmingly plays it for more levity than than Jake Gyllenhaal did in Nightcrawler and that's I think the point right they're both going for very different goals I think Nightcrawler's taking itself very seriously 
And I don't mm. think the guest is taking itself as po-faced seriously as as that, or a lot of people Definitely may not. think it is. Like, did you ever find this film disturbing? Because your friends and a lot of people have either said that or that's what they've wanted from the movie. Like I said, a lot of people that I've commented with, uh, talked with, have been disappointed because the film wasn't disturbing. It wasn't scary. It wasn't a horror feel for them. But did you find this film disturbing at any point? I think maybe on the first viewing I did because, you know, still gauging everything that was happening and it was doing that whole thing where it was building up a positive relationship. I think we talked about this in um, Miles Barlow, of all things, mm. um, but we knew that it was going to crash down eventually. Mm. On this viewing, not so much, but I could see all the parts where I would have felt it was a bit disturbing, mainly in like the first two thirds um, Any specific kind uh, of stuff that in the movie that kind of evokes that feeling in particular? Anything? A lot of the scenes with the youngest son, because mm. with the youngest son, that's where he kind of shows his dark side a bit more. With with the others, there's a lot more positive pretense or sociability. But with the with the with the youngest brother, he. He he shows his violent side. He shows his knife, mm. and he straight up tells him, "Hey, violence is good." To me, that's funny. It's so funny. Like from the very first watch, I thought to me, all my favorite scenes are him and the son because those are the funniest scenes. Like my favorite scene is the bar scene when they go to the bar and he absolutely decimates those bullies. That scene yeah, is yeah, well, hilarious, but like all the like with the knife scene, or to like I'm 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 glad that you've got something more like you you at the time and other people may find those elements disturbing. For 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 myself, I was like I've never found this film at all disturbing. It's more like, ooh, that was weird. More like ooh, that was that was a little off, but mainly in a funny way. Like Dan Stevens' face throughout this movie, when he pulls faces, they're very funny to me. Like. Near the end, when he figures out that, uh, you know, she's tricked him in some way and he's going through, like, the, the streamers or whatever, and he has, like, this... He just cocks his head to the side and just gives this big, cheesy smile and, like, he's approving of this. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's it's a very twisted thing because, yeah, on the surface, it is funny, but then, like, when you think of the meaning behind it and the consequences that might be, you know, coming as a result of what's happening, then it gets a bit disturbing. Mm. Uh, we talked about it a little bit last year when we did The Loved Ones, and we were talking about how uh, the the antagonist in that film, the girl, mm. you could find her either, you know, incredibly funny or incredibly, you know, deranged and disturbing. And I think my stance in that was that even though there was, like, humour value in it, because the film was a bit of a, you know, dark, horror thriller kind of thing, mm. I wanted to try and get more of, uh, you know, dark, unsettling stuff out of it. So I was trying to focus a bit more on those elements. Mm. And I was kind of trying to do it with more with this film as well. Yeah. Um, but definitely it's, again, sense of humour prevails a bit more. And even then, in some ways it does feel a bit more subtle because a lot of people do not label this as a comedy mm. and a lot of people don't really talk about the comedy in it from what I've seen, mm. which is interesting. This is a very interesting film to look at. Yeah, I think 
I give people that warning because I've met so many people who are disappointed that this wasn't a horror film. One of the people I know who was disappointed it wasn't a horror film, they said, I saw it at a film festival. I thought I was going to get uh, like a new Halloween, especially when the film starts with a Halloween like font, right? I thought I was going to get that. Mm-hmm. But then you go to the end and he's like throwing grenades in a diner with a goofy smile on his face. And I'm like, yeah, but he was doing that at the fucking start. Like he wasn't throwing grenades, but he was always this. He was always like a goofy weirdo from the very beginning. Like to me, when he rocks up to the house and he turns around and he gives you that smile, I immediately know what type of movie I'm getting. Like, when I saw that, the very first time, I'm like, oh, this is the type of movie I'm going to be witnessing. And that's exactly the movie I got. This Like, just him turning up with that goofy smile said to me, you're going to get this certain type of experience. And I got exactly that, this kind of dark, comedic, thriller experience. Whether it's overtly a comedy or not, but it's still very much got a sensibility to it of being aware that this is kind of silly. Yeah, definitely on this rewatch, moments like that stuck out a lot more. <sighs> the grenades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you said throwing, but he actually bowled. Oh yeah, he bo- <laughs> like he lifts them up in the air, gives them a, a look like oh, boy, and then just rolls them and walks out. Oh. Yeah, very, very much. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know how to describe it. There was a lot of meaning behind what he was doing, but yeah, it was really just yeah, bowling grenades. But I, yeah, I, I, I often warn people like, don't walk into the guest thinking you're going to get a horror film because I don't think it is scary ever. Like maybe a little disturbing when you think about it on the levels you're talking about, like, ooh, what's he going to do to the sun and all that. But there's not a, in the Loved Ones, the Australian horror film that is a horror film. Whether you find her com- the performance is comedic or not, at least in that film, she is doing horror movie things. Like she's torturing our hero. She's she's killing characters left and right in horrific, gleeful, psychopathic ways that are more in line with a slasher movie villain. While in this, you know, he doesn't like take absolute glee in torturing people and slicing them up. He just kind of efficiently kills them and just leaves. That's why it kind of leans more into something like John Carpenter's Halloween, where Michael Myers is just a guy with a knife, and he just won't stop killing people. And that's why uh, it was interesting, too, to hear the the creators talk about, and this was in the trivia, too, that they kind of talk about in Halloween and their previous... And in Halloween, Michael Myers is, you know, the guy who's, you know, he's the shape. He's completely no face, just the mask, right? He's no expression, no nothing. Well, in this movie, David, he's all about his face, how expressive mm-hmm. and how charming he is, and he lures you in so that way he can just kill you. <laughs> yeah, and he's got that reputation of all-American hero. He just came back from the war. One of the characters even said, like, oh, you know, we support you and what you did. <laughs> so he's got everything going for him. Mm. Since we've been talking about it being uh, funny in some regards, what were some funny moments to you in this in this watching of it? I do agree with your uh, stance there that all the scenes with the the youngest son are funny um, because they are they are very open about what the character is and what he values. Uh, one thing that really did get me. Um, Oh, there are a few things, but one thing towards the end when the military guy and the daughter mm. went to the the community hall and he asked, what is this? And then she basically described, oh, it's just the horror movie set piece that we're going to be going through. <laughs> Not in those exact words, but that's what she was basically saying. Yeah. Um, 
and the dad in general, just like his whole thing with offering uh, our main character a beer and things like that. A lot of little funny moments, especially since he his stance just keeps changing. Like at first he's against uh, the guests staying over, then a few words changes his mind and he's immediately all chummy with him. I like when the dad is like, you don't know, he could have the, the, the PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I've always found the film very funny. I think it's just a lot of Dan Stevens' reactions uh, f- uh, via his face to a lot of things, or just physically a lot too. Like, I love when they're in the kitchen and she confronts the family about David lying about himself and that he's declared dead and all that, and they turn around and just he, like, lifts the knife up that he's using, chopping up the carrots and whatnot, and he just, like rubs his mouth and he's just holding this knife like you know that he's prepared to just kill them all right then and there with this knife but he's still processing if he could get away with this or not (laughs) yeah because his whole thing is that he actually does want to help them but if his uh if his identity or safety is compromised then he will automatically just be in self-defense mode yeah and i find that very funny i love just he he um his approach to things is always just the most ruthless approach, such as when he's telling the son that, you know, you can't have someone bully you. you know? Here's what you do. You take a knife to school. Sure, they could, like, kick it out of your hands and whatever and take it away, but what's the worst? You know, like, that's why then you go to their house late at night and set it on fire while they're still asleep inside. What's the worst they could do? Like, he always uh promotes the wrong approach to a lot of the situations is always violence is going to solve the problem yeah and that moment especially is one where like he's really not putting much pretense at all into what he's really like uh and it, and that moment also has a payoff right at the end of the film where mm. he gets stabbed and he tells him like good you, you did the right thing i'm not even mad and he gives him a thumbs up so you know it's okay <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, when he gives him a thumbs up, how do people not take that as a joke? You know? Like, it's very funny to me. And he's funny throughout the whole entire thing. Just a lot of reactions he has. Just just how he is playing. Dan Stevens playing a character who's playing up that he's a nice guy. Because we have these moments where we see that he's not. Like, when he's on the phone and when he's interacting with the military at any point. And not just him killing, but just... And, you know, he, he also fluctuates his accent a lot as well. Like, like when he's trying to be this all-American nice boy, he's doing the real laying on a bit heavier, the, the clueless Kentucky voice that he's got on. But when he's on the phone or when he's interacting with the gun guys or when when the girl finally figures him out and they're on the bed and he's telling her, like, oh, I'm so sorry about your boyfriend. It'll be all okay. And they just stare each other down. I, you know, mm-hmm. I like how he does that. He has this multitude of range where he, the character of David is trying to play multiple aspects that he can to manipulate people. And then when he's just left to what is the closest we get of the real him, he's just like this cold, mean motherfucker. But I love the comedy that's played when... David is playing up that he's just this nice, affable guy. Lots of funny, like, when the dad's offering him a beer, and he goes, yeah, sure, and you just see him walk away, and you hear all the guns chinking in the bag that he's carrying as he's walking away. <laughs> just stuff like that's very mm-hmm. funny to me. And even then, there are some 
things that are even kind of like jokes towards the audience like when the guy i mentioned before who told him you know i support you we support you and what you did in the military he puts on this like serious demeanor that mm. be like you know like trying to find some hypocrisy in what he's saying but then it's just revealed ah, i'm just fucking with you and it also fucks with the audience because we start seeing unsettling things about him yeah i think um you know another uh, f- like i said the bar scene the famous bar scene to me that's comedy gold like he just goes and just his whole demeanor just he's very casual about all the violent shit he's going to do like you know it's going to lead mm-hmm. to violence you know that because this is a movie and we know that this guy's not well but just how casual he is about not only going into the bar and he just he's so casual about the whole entire affair like after he's just beat up all these teenagers and this guy's pulling a gun on him and he's just like you know you tell him the truth the police and he just like lays out what needs to happen and he's just so nonchalant about it that 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 kind of approach to being a psychotic killer is very weird to me and it's very funny to me yeah, and he manipulated them into starting the whole tussle. Well, yes, he did provoke the fight by giving the ladies blowjobs and the men cosmopolitans. <laughs> and uh, I guess it didn't lead to a violent turn, but also there was the scene with the, the principal or uh, the, the guy at the school. Yes, yes, the principal. That was a great one. I'd forgotten all about it until it started, and then I just immediately remembered everything about it. Yeah, David, David, David is... <laughs> To me, a fascinating character. He has like all these multitudes of things going on that, of course, one of the things too that annoys people about this film, and I understand, is it doesn't give you that that moment, right? Where where you get the here's what's happening moment, like here's the full story of what he's about, like here's what happened, here's like you get explanations of what's going on, but not in the conventional way you expect. And there's so many things left unsaid. That, that can be a little frustrating for people, such as, you know, like, what is David? Like, they just say, we experimented on him, and it went wrong, but, like, what did, what is he? You don't get that moment of saying what he is, so maybe at the end, when he comes back to life, and he just walk limping off, and he's a super healing factor, and he doesn't, you know, sustain effects of alcohol or any of this shit, you might get frustrated as a viewer about that, because usually in these things, we're used to being just fed that information. Yeah, yeah, some sort of super soldier project. Uh, it is good, though, that I, I I listened to an interview that the writer did with someone, and um, he mentioned uh, that there, there is an explanation that was conveyed between the people that made the film and the actor that played David, um, and that even though it's not explained, there is a consistency to all the information and actions that are presented. Yeah, yeah, and... What? Which allows the audience to, you know, see that there is a sort of logic going on. There aren't contradictions. And we'll talk about what that so-called explanation is in a in a little bit. But one of the, one of the questions too that the film, you know, it does answer, but also it feels like it's contradicting this is why is he doing this? Like why? Like is he sincere in what he's doing? We think he is. I know some people don't, but like. Like, there are some people who think he is the son. They think that it's Caleb and he's been, you know, redone or what, like, he's been altered. But there's lots of loose ends. But at the core of it is, 
Why did David come to visit this family? Is it just what he said? Is he sincere? And if so, why why is he doing this in the first place? Like, why is he staying here? Like, what's going on with all of that stuff? Is explained in a way, but not as fully as most movies would. Yeah, when you were mentioning earlier your understanding of the premise and a lot of people's understanding of the premise, uh, you mentioned the aspect of he will not leave. And that's really not a thing that the film kind of conveys to you because throughout most of the film, in a lot of scenes, he actually does try to leave and the family like finds an excuse to, you know, keep him around almost as if, you know, hospitality, Mm. like you are being kind, will allow you to stay over a bit longer. It's not so much that, you know, he's imposing or anything like that. No, no, that's the thing, but it's a ploy. He's playing, he's manipulating them so that he can stay longer. Like, he plays into their hands so many times. Like, when he's saying, oh, no, 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 I can't do that, it is such a ploy, especially when you know what he's doing and what he is going to do in the film. It's all uh, uh, like he does with all of them. He's manipulating them with his kindness so that he can just infiltrate their lives. Uh, because that's what he's doing. He's infiltrating their lives. He's making their lives better in his way, which is through supreme violence and 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 like we've said, manipulation. He kills the dad's boss because you know, you know, help him out. He'll give him the job. Yeah, he's heard the explanation about how he he's no he's not going to be the manager because this guy is so hey there's an easy way to make you the manager kill the guy but like you said it doesn't it doesn't like when you say like you know i had to say the pitch of it like you know the the basic stuff but yeah you're right it doesn't have it like he's imposing he's forcing himself onto them in the usual ways but he is he is tweaking their emotions and that stuff so that he can stay because each time it's just oh i'll stay for a couple more days and a couple more days. And a couple more days. Like, how long was he there for? Um, I want to say, like, I four think, or five days, right? I think four days might be accurate. I think the third day is when, like, a lot of the really, you know, murderous stuff starts happening. Because, yeah. Mm. Yeah, he... Yeah, there were two days where he, he met Luke on the first night. Then the second day... He took him to the bar, and then I think there was the third day where the fight at school happened. Mm, mm. Um, yeah, and I think maybe the fourth day was where the climax happened. So yeah, somewhere around four or five days. The, but to get back to the point of his drive for this is he knew Caleb, and he feels like he owes the family this stuff, but he does it. He he goes to each one of them and tells them, and then he just stays, and he decides I'm going to improve their lives. It's what Caleb would have wanted, I guess. And then at the end, he kills them all, and he's like, Caleb would have understood. He would understand why I have to do this. Mm. Do you think, because the film even asks this question, do you think he knew Caleb? Really? I think he did. I think, yeah, I think they're in the same program. I think Caleb probably died as a as a result of whatever fucked up shit they were doing. Yeah, the um the film introduces an aspect, the uh, an element which is the plastic surgeon, the the facial reconstruction. Mm, mm. And I think that's something that a lot of people dwell on. Um, because when we see the picture of David in the the files. Mm. Um, 
it's it's him, right? It's, oh yeah, it's and Stan he's deranged. <laughs> he looks absolutely insane. Yeah, so the information that Dan Stevens died a week prior, that was false. That was an assumption, well, right? Because there was an explosion. Well, I think what happens is that he's not actually David Collins. Or not David Collins. Yeah, David, whatever his last name is, right? He's not actually David, right? David was another person who, who died in the fire. And I think this guy, whoever he actually is, I, I it's kind of hard to say, but I think whoever this guy actually is isn't David because when he shows the photo to the mother you know he's like have you seen someone who looks like this and she's like oh yeah that's David and he reacts like oh he's going by that name he's going okay so I think whoever David actually is is using the real name of someone who was in that group who died in the fire to then just fuck off and do shit because we do see his okay. picture in the file, but I don't, I don't know if we got a proper... Again, that's the point. Like, we're not getting that full clarity of information, which can be bothersome to people. Like, I think it's fine. I think there's room for interpretation. Like, there's even the question of, you know, like we said, is he, is he, did he actually know Caleb? We take it that he does because of his drive. He, 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 asks, he gets asked a question, he admits it. But there's the family, there's the photo, right? That's how the family invites him in is, oh, he's in the photo. Mm-hmm. But I've always, from day one when I watched it, and I don't know if you've had this or you felt this, but do you think that photo was actually already there, or do you think he swapped it over? Because she leaves, and he comes, and you know, gives him enough time, and she comes back, and there he is, just standing by it, and he points it out, and she never noticed it before. He, she never noticed him in it before. Ah, you know what? I actually didn't think of that. Like, and he's crazy enough to do that, right? Yeah, it definitely he is manipulative, so he would. He would do that. I've always felt that. Like, I always go, did he plant that photo there? Like, did he swap him over or plant it there? Because she is genuinely like, huh, okay. And it's like, he's right there. He's like the only one not really wearing a helmet or covered up. Like, he's, he's fully him. Like, how can you not notice this big blonde-haired blue-eyed guy in the center there? <laughs> mm. And so that makes you question, too. Like, did he actually, or is he just invading this people's lives? I don't know. And then... Another facet of the movie uh, that I want to bring up and is brought up in the, the, to me, it's kind of heavily implied throughout it, but I haven't heard enough people talk about this is, do you think David is gay? Do I think David is gay? Yeah. Um, Because hmm. the way he talks about that issue in the, the principal scene, right? About their son being called a faggot and and you know how dare you this is hate crime and all that and he has a real motivation to help the son out once he finds out he is being bullied and specifically while he's being bullied like with homophobic stuff and then also the scene where he tries to have sex with the girl and he just nothing's happening until she points it out and then he like revs up and he starts having sex with her he's like you're not into this it's like oh no i am <laughs> and he starts fucking her. I've always kind of got the vibe that he was, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, a gay guy who had been bullied in the past, and he's kind of weird about it. That's just me. Mm, I think maybe he might be manipulating you. You think? Maybe with the with the thing in the school, definitely I could see that as being total manipulation because right beforehand, he asked, uh, he asked the younger son. Um, you know, what did he call you? He heard faggot and like immediately within 30 seconds, he uses that information to 
you know, turn to turn the tables. So mm. I, I saw that as manipulation. With the girl thing, I just saw that as like his sociopathy, or if he has that uh, being on. And then when it's pointed out to him, he realizes like, oh, okay, I'll take some action. Mm. So maybe it might just be a thing of like asexuality, if anything. Yeah. Um, but but definitely the two examples you brought up, there is a connection there. So maybe there is some homosexuality going on whether it's there or not it's something fun about the movie that there's lots of avenues where you can just think about it and you can make it up for yourself like like we've said they didn't give us the explanation of what is he they they in the behind the scenes i think they've talked about he's like a cyborg is what they're going for when i watched it and when i still watch it i noticed that now more so like he's a terminator type but to me i've always thought i was a super soldier like he's a genetically enhanced guy he has I think they said that I think that they said that the cyborg thing was a scrapped idea, but they kept a lot of the elements, so it was more of a super soldier thing. Yeah, and you know, I see that kind of undercurrent of issues of homosexuality within David because you know, there's just certain things that again, he's a hard character to read too, although he's very easy to read with his cheesiness. There are those moments where is he? Is that a manipulation? Like I know he's manipulating that scene with the principal, but there is just such a level of intensity there about it all that he's having with it, which again is in aid of his manipulation. But to me, I'm kind of seeing these seeds here, and I'm like, did he also have a relationship with their son that was more so than just a platonic friendship? Because again, if there was a romantic relationship that he had with their son or had for their son, it kind of feeds into why he's doing this even more than just, oh, he promised it, him. It is true, yeah. When he talks about his time, he he doesn't really talk about anyone else. It's always Caleb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Except for when he meets Lance Reddick and he's like, mm, you shouldn't have followed me. What did you think, sir? Like, you know that they had a relationship of some sort <laughs> that he didn't like. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I've always gotten that vibe of the thing. But again, the film doesn't lay it out to you. And, it, and to even counteract my own feelings on it, the, the sex scene that is in the movie, another thing that could have been preventing him from getting a you know, getting a boner straight away is one of the things that I noticed on this rewatching a lot is um, David has enhanced a lot of sensibility, like lots of physical traits of himself. So he can't really get affected by alcohol unless he drinks great quantities of it. You know, the Wolverine effect, right? And I'm wondering if maybe mm -hmm. a part of that is his physical attributes as well. As silly as this may sound, like maybe it takes a lot of effort for him to get physically aroused because we also see in the movie it takes a lot of effort for him to feel emotions because when he doesn't have to he just shuts down he just sits on the bed and goes blank faced like it feels like this is energy he's expending to put on even maybe in the act of making love because you see him he's constantly drinking and nothing's effect it's barely affecting him and I, I also like the touch of uh to me, maybe, like, I'm saying, like, lots of things of wacky with his uh, physical senses is also, like, he doesn't really feel pain, like, when they shoot him. He doesn't really feel it that often. And when he's drinking the, um, was it, the fireball? Yeah, the really spicy thing. I imagine in my brain, the internal logic is, 
he drinks a really spicy drink because it's the closest he can get to like a real sense of taste of something because he also barely reacts to that but he also gives an explanation as to why but that's just me coming up with things about the movie yeah i think i think now that you mention all this there was an aspect in trivia or something where it talked about how whatever project he went through um killed a lot of emotions or something like that so mm. that that does that does kind of line up but uh did you have um a favorite scene in the film one that really stood out to you whether comedic scary action or anything like that um you know what i think it is between those two extreme scenes we talked about the bar scene and the principal scene where he's just you know full manipulation um he has a very comedic sensibility about him a sense of humor um and those were really engaging Mm, yeah i scenes with the sun as you said those were your favorite scenes so i think those are the highlights oh i did like the scene when he got out of the shower and he's like super (laughs) fit and and she's like astonished and he's like oh sorry about that and he's like so sweet (laughs) such a he's such a piece of shit i love him i also love the scene when he's getting the guns and he's just like i'll take Mm. all of them all right as long as you got cash no no i'm gonna kill you (laughs) and just take your guns it's like and the other guy what the fuck david (laughs) (laughs) that was a funny yeah it was a funny reaction (laughs) Uh, with the with the with the shirtless scene the trivia talked about how apparently that scene Mm. they gave a lot of attention to it it took a long time to film yeah because hollywood's you know the, the the way that the male body is portrayed in lots of hollywood things there's lots of weird physical things that actors and those people have to do lots of water not drinking water and weird you know unhealthy crazy nonsense stuff yeah. that is very disturbing don't eat or drink for don't eat or drink for a full day then have a diet coke then do a hundred sit-ups and push-ups and then we'll record and a lot it's of crazy. movies do that crazy shit with a lot of the male actors and you know they have to do lots of really you know kind of yeah like i said like just it feels not good you know so when you mm. watch another one of these modern you know movies like you know your aquamans or your your, your chris pratt and guardians of the galaxy just remember that they have to do some fucking mean ass shit to get that shirtless scene looking as ripped as it does because there's like pictures of Jason Momoa when he's just out and about and he's not as chiseled because, you know, he's not doing that shit. Like, he's still fit as shit, but he's like not as chiseled as you see in the shirtless scenes in a movie because they do that weird water dehydration shit and like like what you said, the hundred push-ups before they film the scene and ugh, it's a lot of weird nonsense that they, they have to do. But yeah, they, the filmmakers talked about how they had that and they and that, that shower scene is very important into the movie because also usually in these movies you get the girl in that scene, and but it's nice that you get the male killer getting that scene. It's very odd. It's a very weird choice, mm. but it works for the movie because it is... A, I don't know, I find that scene very very amusing and sweet-natured, even though he is going to try and kill her later. Well, I think at, at the time he probably wasn't planning to, but the no. possibility was there. No, he did get very annoyed with her very quickly, though, because she, she figured him out really well. Yeah, but I I like the element that he still had, you know, his little arc of wooing her at the party and, like, she actually did grow to like him. Mm. Um, But then, you know, very quickly found out more about him. I I, I just like that there was a moment where he succeeded with her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He succeeds with all of them. I... 
just to circle back to the bar scene, one of the things I, I noticed on my rewatch that I also really enjoyed, it didn't didn't strike me the first time I saw it, was he has he chooses the fireball drink. And it's great because it's used as a great weapon in the scene because he throws it in the guy's face and it blinds him because it's so spicy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, you know, he uses that so that he could punch his friend out because <laughs> he doesn't know. So, yeah, he's... His favorite drink happens to be an effective weapon, and that isn't that great. <laughs> yeah, it's it's clever. It's it's so clever. I, I, also, he carries a knife on him at all times. By the way, <laughs> mm-hmm. your your parents' knives good are, for pumpkin carving. Yeah, he doesn't know how to pumpkin carve, but he he knows to carry knives at all times. Yeah, I, 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 I've always enjoyed this movie. The music's good. The aesthetic is good. I think the visual filmmaking is very good. It doesn't go for the gore factor. I think when there are kills, they're never, you know, that typical horror thing where there's lots of exploitation. It's just very matter-of-fact, which is great because David's character is very matter-of-fact, especially when he is programmed to tie up all loose ends and he just, like, you know, kills them, like... Yeah, he had sex with this girl, but he's just going to shoot her in the heart and then walk away. You know, he's not going to feel remorse mm. about it because he can't. He's he's in, incapable of feeling things. Well, he felt remorse about killing the dad. Uh, no. See, I felt different. I think he felt more annoyed that he had to go and shoot him because he thought the driving the car straight into him would have killed him instantly. And it's more like, oh, God, okay, now I have to... <sighs> like I saw it more as a burden of having to finish it off more so that then oh I feel bad about having to kill him. Okay. See, that's great. This film, in my eyes, is a joy to watch because you get a lot of different interpretations. Even if people don't like this movie, there's lots of people who have made claims that that I don't agree with why they don't like it, but I I can see why people don't like this film i can see the points being made it's just they don't affect me and uh i think that's one of the strengths is just how ambiguous it is whilst also having actual stuff in the movie to point to for answers because mm-hmm. <laughs> it does annoy me when you just have something that's like it's great because it's ambiguous you know i'm just like yeah but what's in the movie that i can point to and be like there's at least something other than ambiguity like at least this film has good kills like I laugh so hard. It always gets me when when they come to the house, like the 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 the, the company. The, I can't remember what the initials are, but you know the. Ex- uh, it's K. It's not KGB, but it's similar. Yeah, and they come, and you have the white sheet blowing in the wind, and it just <laughs> blows over, and you see he's holding the laundry basket, and it's like this glorious, nice, happy-looking shot, but the music music's fading away slowing down and he just like drops the basket and they're all just like get him i just find that amusing yeah it kind of reminds me of like terminator 2 when like arnold had the the gun inside the roses or something like that and just drops it yeah very reminiscent there's a lot of terminator riffs on on you know happening in this movie that's for sure this is one of those movies that has that 80s homage thing going on which has become very tiresome, but back in 2014, you know, that was still happening, but this is kind of one of the earlier ones doing that. this. This was before Stranger Things came out. It's even got music by the guy who did Stranger Things, but, like, this was kind of before that, so I, I don't get annoyed with this when it comes to that, because it's not the movie's fault that that became such a heavy thing, that love of yeah. the 80s. Yeah, and I don't even think this film's very in-your-face about it. I think it did it pretty well. Good degree. 
Yeah, I uh, I mean, you know, it, it has a lot going on in terms of the 80s love, the music, the, the spooky maze at the end is very an 80s kind of movie thing you would do. And But yeah, they set it in the modern day and it, it works works fine. Do you have any negatives about this movie? Um, really, no, nothing overtly. I think anything, I, I, I think I would be the type of person that would prefer something a bit more, you know, straight up thrillery. So all the things in this film that delve away from that, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't call those negatives because they're, they're a part of this film's identity. Um, mm. so really, I don't think there's anything that I'd call objectively bad in the film. I think generally the film is all right as it is. Yeah, I, 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 I try and think about it, and the fun I have of the movie is overshadowing any negatives to the point where I'm just incapable of seeing them, and that says a lot, because usually I'm always seeing a negative in something or other when it comes to movies, but this film is just so entertaining, on that primal level that I don't care about any negatives, honestly. And there's an abundance of them, I'm sure, that people can bring up. But to me, I just get such a a kick out of watching this film. It's one I like to watch with groups. It's one I like to watch just on my own. I just, I just like watching it. And that in itself is a huge achievement. Again, to bring it back to the year 2014, there was lots of movies just like that that were just... You know, it was just good to watch, you know, I just enjoyed watching it. I, you know, it didn't have to have that worry we have with some movies now where it's like, oh, creatively bankrupt, or, oh, it's feeding off of this trend, or, oh, it's trying to build a universe, and all of that, which was still prevalent when this film came out in 2014. But to me, it's just nice to have an original film with an interesting idea and a brilliant lead performance. Yeah, and also it, um, with talking about conventions and noticing them, it it actually it, it parodied sort of cliffhanger endings. That ending, oh! <laughs> <laughs> I remember when we watched it with your friends. Some of them were very annoyed at that ending. They're like, "That's it!" <laughs> <laughs> like, what else is there? What else? Well, yeah, it's 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 a horror cliche, so they just threw it in there as a, for a bit of fun. What the fuck? <laughs> What the fuck, David? <laughs> what the fuck, David? Oh, man. I love um when you get a chance to get an explanation, it's always cut off. Like, David, what's happening? He's like, ah, it, would just, it's, it, it would just take too much time to explain. And he just, eh, whatever. Like, I kind of like mm-hmm. its disregard of that. <laughs> yeah, let the film do its thing. Don't make it be like other films. Uh, Anything else you want to bring up about The Guest? I think we I think we nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah, I I like I've said many times it's an enjoyable film. It's a great film to watch for this time of year. It's got a real great Halloween spooky atmosphere about it. Of course, it's set around that time that helps as well, but you know, if you're also not a huge fan of your more conventional, like we've said, this doesn't really fall into heavily into the horror. This isn't a scare fest. This isn't a gore fest. But it has a nice uh, oppressive atmosphere to it, whilst also just still being fun. So if you're looking for more of a, I guess, a lighter viewing for your spooky month, your october time, 
this is one that you can come to. It's 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 good for that as well because you know I'm not the biggest fan of uh, myself of horror movies. Uh, I I enjoy them enough, but I'm not like a a horror fan in general. I don't go out of my way to watch them. So uh, yeah, something like this is also uh, you know it's it's good for the palate for this time of year. Yeah, definitely. If you know what you're getting into, you don't have preconceptions that. Uh, when they're not met, you'll feel negative towards them. Uh, yeah, if you know what you're getting into, you're probably going to enjoy this a lot more. Mm, yeah, yeah. I think a, a, a good majority of people, at least ones like I've said I've interacted with, they didn't have a fun time with the movie because they expected something that it wasn't. Um, to be honest, when I saw ads of it, it didn't seem like the movie didn't advertise itself as what it is. But I guess it, it's just that pitch, right? You think of what the pitch of it is and you fill in the blanks in your head of what's going to be. And it doesn't necessarily meet those expectations. But this is a recommendation. It is a, it is a great time. I'm glad that we got to talk about it on the pod. And it was great to rewatch it last night uh, for this. I was, I was just laughing and having a good time and just... Yeah, just noticing different little qualities that I didn't really think about before. Like, for some reason, my brain didn't click that at the very beginning, he's wearing a hoodie. And it has the logo of the company that comes after him, at, you know, later on. And I, oh, I just right. I didn't, th- I didn't think about it. I just didn't, didn't click in my brain. It's, it's right there. It's very obvious. But just little details get, get found in reviewings of this. Like, that's another thing that I really enjoy about the movie is I find it a really rewarding experience uh, on the rewatches of it. Just noticing little flourishes and little things and picking up new interpretations on the rewatches is something I don't often get with a movie. So that's also another thing about the movie that works. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah. yeah, it's been a few years for me, but definitely knowing you know what happens in the ending, uh, knowing his true nature, it, it did lend itself to me reinterpreting a lot of the first two thirds uh, differently. Oh, just to bring up Lance Reddick for a second, uh, he has, I don't know if you laughed at this, but it always makes me laugh, and I don't think this is necessarily intentional, but it makes me laugh anyway. When David drives off and he shoots the tires out on his car when they're at the house, and he drives off, mm-hmm. he has his little uh, machine gun or whatever, and he sees David drive off, he's tried to shoot at him, and he didn't succeed, he just grabs his gun throws it on the ground and just screams fuck and it just makes me laugh a lot i don't know just the yeah, way that, he does it it's very funny it didn't make me laugh but I, I took a lot of notice of it like there's something weird going on in here. i think it's just because lance reddick is a weird guy like he just he's very he's very you know he has a very striking look about him those bug out eyes he's got a very you know, he's very lean and that very pointed back of his head and just something about him just he's I don't know if you've seen him in much, if anything, at all, Bartek, but he's great at playing these government guys. Like, he's always great at the guy who's, like, the top guy who's in, you know, who has to get dragged, like we see in the movie, has to get dragged out of the meeting to deal deal with shit, get his hands dirty. He's always great at playing those roles. I don't know if you've seen or heard him in anything, but he's always fun to see. Not off the top of my head, no, but he definitely seems like he's in his place. You haven't seen the John Wick movies? In a role... No, I haven't. Ah, he's he's great in those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
he plays the uh, concierge at the hotel, and he has like a little accent in it. I don't know exactly where he's supposed to be from, but he has a little, I want to say, some African accent going on. But uh, yeah, he's always fun. Like, I'm sure about like if you look him up, you'll be like, oh, I've seen him in stuff or heard him in stuff. I know he does lots of video game voices as well. Like, he's a very specific type of voice. Mm. But uh, yeah, it, it... In terms of the cast of this film, I know I've seen seven, but I'm not sure if I've seen anyone in anything I've seen other than that. So I'd have to look them up. Mm, mm. You haven't seen Dan Stevens in anything after this? <laughs> uh, he's not really one that I'm aware of, so maybe I have, maybe I haven't. There's a great Netflix movie. Uh, maybe we'll cover. Uh, I don't think we'll cover it this year, but there's one called Apostle. Uh, where mm-hmm. the pitch is Dan Stevens goes to a weirdo island where it's like the Wicker Man type thing, like a weirdo, crazy, religious fanatic island, and Michael Sheen's the head of the council there, and it's he has to investigate what's going on. Very good movie. Very, very oppressive and very bleak, but I, I enjoyed it. And it's one of those ones where it's like, he is Dan Stevens, and he's very greasy, and he's a bit of a weirdo. That's my genre. Dan Stevens being weird. That sounds interesting, yeah. And uh, he was in the movie Colossal, the one where Anne Hathaway inadvertently is controlling a giant monster in South Korea. That's a movie, by the way, Barzak. Have I heard of that? That sounds really familiar. Yeah, she's like an alcoholic. <laughs> and when she gets <laughs> drunk in a kid's park, it's controlling a giant monster that's destroying <laughs> some city in I'm South getting Korea. S- I haven't seen it, but I'm getting such a sense of deja vu about that. Have I seen a parody of that? I have no idea. I don't know, but he's in it. Dan Stevens, he's in it. He doesn't get to do much, but he's fun in it. But uh, yeah, this movie made me a Dan Stevens fan. I've been, no joke, almost, almost, almost tempted to watch some Downton Abbey just to see what he was like before. Because that's another factor of the movie is, like you said, out of left field casting choices a lot of people also find this movie interesting because they knew him as the guy from Downton Abbey I didn't know him from Downton Abbey and I wonder what it would be like to see what he was like in Downton Abbey to get a a sense of what that feeling was like of seeing that guy from Downton Abbey turn into this guy (laughs) Mm -hmm. but unfortunately I've not watched Downton Abbey I'm you know nearly tempted just because Dan Stevens that's literally the only reason there's other actors I like in it but just a little bit and that kind of shows the strength of the guest is it made me want to see more of the lead actor and work like i want him to do more weird shit let him do weird fucked up shit more i agree all right bartek are you ready to hear the movie for next episode's uh spooky month spectacular i'm really excited to hear well it's a listening people's choice Um, We Mm -hmm. got recommended this at the very end of our spooky month last year from my parents, so we didn't get the chance to do it because we had already wrapped up. So we're going to be doing the Lance Henriksen movie, Pumpkinhead. Oh, okay. I don't know really much about it other than the lead actor, Lance Henriksen, who I guess, Bartek, you're not familiar with Lance. You haven't watched um, any of the Alien movies, so... Uh, well, he was a cop in Terminator, right? That's right, yeah, yeah, he's the cop in Terminator. Yes, of course. Yeah. I always think of him, well, most people think of him in Aliens mm. as a good boy android. But that's for another time. Next episode, we'll be talking about Pumpkinhead. So, listening people, make sure to check that film out. Give it a watch. Let us know what you think about it. Uh, Bartek, where can the listening people find us? 
You can find us on, I think, all the places where you can find podcasts. We're on Google Plays, Apple Podcasts. We upload straight to Podbean. We put our episodes on YouTube, iHeartRadio, pretty much all of the ones. And if you can find us at all online, you can find where our episodes are found at. Uh, You can also contact us at uh, our Facebook page, send us a private message. You can tweet at us. You can send us an email at spitandpolished at gmail.com. That's polished past tense. Spitandpolished at gmail.com. Yeah, let us know your feelings on the guest or some of your favorite spooky-tacular movies and stuff, the movies you like to watch around this time of year, or shows even. Uh, Because later on in the month, we'll be talking about uh, a televisual event that kind of matches in with the spookiness. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, boy. Uh, That's about it, uh, listening people. Bartek... Uh, a spooky time, a spooey time as usual, talking to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so spooey, much spooey. Much spooey. I felt the spoos all up in my ooey. <laughs> hmm, the spoos. I think that's the sleaziest form of the word. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the second Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie? The spoos? Secret of the spoos? <laughs> Secret of the spoos. Uh, well, I think, Bartek, you know... You did the right thing. I don't blame you. Good job. Bravo. Congratulations. Congratulations. Well, I know what I'm picking for my pick next week. 